Let's jump into our message this morning. It's Mother's Day, and so I thought I would uh, just share about something that maybe the moms can relate with. I'm sure some of the dads can with as well, but uh, Michelle and I, uh, Michelle's serving in the kids' wing here in Dover this morning, but Michelle and I, we've got four boys, and uh, I, I don't know what it is, but there's been a couple of them who have just... They've struggled with uh, bedwetting at different times of their life. Sometimes you're just moving them off diapers. You know, they could wet their bed, and that's not a fun thing. And so it's not a kind of a good thing to wake up to. The kids pick up on this. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Mom or dad's frustrated that they're doing laundry the last minute before we got to school. And so what are some of our kids, sometimes what their solution is, is to pretend that they never wet the bed. So in the middle of the night, they'll change out of their wet pajamas and hide it somewhere. They'll just make their bed in the morning and pretend that they never did it until you walk into their bedroom at 8 o'clock at night and you just, I mean, it smells like they wet the bed. And so you say, did you wet the bed? No, no. Um, one of our kids used to say, I just sweat a lot. That was it. I just sweat. <laughs> and... Um, and the, at 8 o'clock at night or at 8.30 or sometimes maybe we're, we're coming back from a church event and it's really late, it's like, man, I just wish you, you wouldn't have hid this. I wish you would have just told me in the morning because now you, you have a stinky mattress and, uh, and, 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 we don't have, and you don't have clean sheets. So, uh, and, and, and it's frustrating. It, we just want you to be, just tell us. All right, we're not mad at you if you if you went to bed. Just tell us that you did it. And kids, um, they're the perfect example to us that when we hide things, things get worse. And and for us, as we're looking and we're going through this series, mental health, I want to talk to us about this idea of hiding things. Sometimes hiding things from ourselves. Sometimes hiding things from other people, sometimes trying to hide things from God. If you've ever been in a 12-step program trying to um, free yourself from addiction, one of the things that they communicate in those programs is this uh, statement, you're as sick as your secrets. And, and what that is, if you're, if you're keeping secrets... From other people, you're keeping secrets about the temptations you're facing. You're keeping uh, secrets about the habits you're beginning to be engaged in. You're keeping secrets about even the things that have happened to you and the things that you've done. You're going to remain sick. And it's only in talking about these things, it's only in exposing these things, it's only in kind of bringing these things and, and making them so where they're not a secret anymore and that is where you begin to find freedom and where you'll begin to, um, to be uh, set free from, uh, from the hell that is causing you to live in. Our secrets in our life can be sin, it can be addiction, it can be habits you've started again, it can be things that have happened to you, it can be even thoughts that you're thinking. So you're thinking a thought about uh, uh, a coworker, you're thinking a thought um, about about yourself, and just different things. And these secrets, they lead us to a mental hell because they're plaguing us. They're haunting us. They're, it's just over and over again. 
and we're trying to fight it off by ourselves. We're trying to deal with it. We're trying to, to, um, we're trying to get past it, but you'll, you'll, you'll be as sick as your secrets. And in this series, we've talked about a whole bunch of different things um, to help you so you're not living in a mental hell anymore. But today we want to talk about the idea of secrets. Internally, there's a lot going on when you're keeping a secret from a spouse, from a coworker, from an accountability partner, from a parole officer, from a pastor, from a friend, from a counselor. All kinds of things are going on in you. And you can read all kinds of medical studies of what that does to your physical body, what that can do physically to your brain by keeping those secrets. But when you when you're, there's always a, a point where you're faced with the decision, is this going to be a secret or is this going to be something I share? And the choice that you're faced with when you have the option to keep a secret or not, your choice is to confess it or to cover it up. And I want to look at the cover up here for just a second, because I think that's, that's generally where we, um, where we want to default uh, that's probably generally our strategy. And if it's a sin, it's our choice. I'm going to cover up the sin. I'm going to pretend I never did this. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to pretend this never happened. I will take this to my grave with me. No one will ever know that this happened. David was the guy in the Bible who did himself try to do a cover-up. He had sinned. He had... Uh, he had... Um, had an, uh, an affair, an adulterous affair... And she got pregnant. And so trying to cover it up, he's going through all these things that ultimately um, led him uh, murdering someone because he's just, he didn't want his sin to be found out. He didn't want to be caught. He didn't want that reputation. And so it was just only him and now his new wife that knew about it. And he talks in different parts in the Bible of what it was like through that entire process. And if you got your Bibles, I want you to open to Psalm chapter 32. We're going to read um, two different parts of this psalm uh, at two different parts of our message this morning. And this is a song that David wrote. So when we put the verse on the screen in just a moment, um, it'll say interlude in there. And that's the reason that word's in there is because it's a song. So he's writing in there here. We're going to pause now and reflect on what we, we've just sung. So it's going to be Psalm chapter 32. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. And this is the words of David. He said, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He's, he's talking here, and what he's describing is maybe is something you could describe for yourself. It's this really, it's this mental hell. He's not wanting to confess his sin. He's not wanting to um, admit his sin. But when he lives that way, his body's wasting away. His, his, his strength, his ability to go on, his ability to, to maintain his image, his, his ability to just do his everyday functions of life just became more and more impossible. 
And maybe that feeling is something that you've felt before. I can't, the, the secrets are just keeping you from sleeping and adding to fatigue and just exhausted pretending. There's another uh, couple in the Bible who tried to do a cover-up. Their, their names were Adam and Eve, and they're the first people talked about in the Bible. What they did is uh, they sinned before God, and they were the first people who ever sinned, the first people who ever disobeyed God. And when they did that, all of a sudden, their, their, the purity that they, that they had been created into was lost. And they realized all of a sudden they, we've done something terribly wrong and they tried to cover, they tried to do a cover up. The one thing that they did is, uh, uh, pre, so they begin to um, take leaves and cover themselves up to try to, to try to hide themselves and then they physically hid from God. At that time in history, because there was no sin, man interacted with God like we interact with each other. That God would come and visit them. They'd walk and talk with God. So it says now when God showed up, they hid themselves from him and God knew where they were, but he, he kind of asked, hey, where are you? Where are you? Like playing hide and go seek with a two-year-old. When they came out and God said, what did you do? And they begin to blame, they begin to whatever, but really the point of this is they tried to cover up. And then God began to show them his grace for them, his mercy for them, his love for them. As he made them close, as he forgave them. And then he began to show us his plan for the forgiveness of everyone. He began to show us, hey, I, you know, I knew that this would happen, but we have a plan. I have a son. There's a Messiah. There's one who's coming. And he'll give forgiveness to everybody. They tried to do that. We try to cover up our sin, all kinds of different things. We use incognito browsers. We delete stuff. We, you know, you know, we're using apps that are automatically deleting stuff. We're, we're, we're trying to cover up. And then if, we're, if that doesn't work, one of the things we try to do is try to cover up the word sin. It, you know, it says, this is sin. And we just graffiti over it and says, this is good. This makes me happy. And we try to convince ourselves, even cover up the idea that this could possibly be something that is going to affect our relationship with Jesus. And that's the option that you have. You have an option to, uh, to try to cover up the pain. So sometimes we have secrets that bring us intense pain, so we try to pretend they never happened. We try to just stuff it. We try to ignore it. Sometimes our body is doing its own self-defense mechanism, and it's, it's creating disassociation. Um, it's uh, it's just blocking out years of our life to protect us, to cover up the pain. And we, our body sometimes react. We can't always remember that there was trauma because our body has just blocked it out as a defense mechanism. But we oftentimes make a decision to just block out the pain ourselves. We think it will be easier. I just ignore that I'm feeling this. I'll just ignore that this is going on. We think that it will be less painful to cover up the pain. 
than to express the pain. If you're married and uh, um, sometimes think, well, we're just never going to fight. We're never going to fight. I'll never express my, uh, my unhappiness. I'll never express things that, could, that are important to me. We're just, we're never going to fight. And what will happen in that relationship, um, it will completely deteriorate. And when it does, it'll be a shock. Wait, wait a minute. What do you mean you're leaving me because, um, because I don't take out the trash? Had you asked, I would have taken it out. And it, it just, little things can build up and pile up. And, uh, and we think, well, it'll be easier. It's hard to bring resolution. It's hard to, to understand each other. It's hard to get through this. And we make the decision to cover up. Sometimes we're fearful of what will happen if everyone knows. Sometimes there's shame over the things that we've done. But we have that choice to just cover it all up. No one will know. No one will ever know. One scripture here, not to frighten you, but um, if you're trying to cover up sin... One scripture here that I think is important to, to know is in Luke chapter 12, and it's in verse number two. It says, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. This is not, if you're someone who's hiding sin, this is a hideous verse. Because he's like, you know, we just think someone, uh, you know, we, want, we don't want someone to find out our sin. Whether you're a teenager hiding something from your parent, you're a spouse hiding something from uh, your spouse, you're hiding something from a friend or a coworker. Um, this is not a verse that we'd like. But hopefully this is a verse that kind of pushes you to say, I don't want this being found out. I'm going to make a step to confess this, to speak about this, and to move past this. So you can cover up or you can confess. It is important that we confess sin. Uh, we confess our sin to God. And this is acknowledging, hey, what I've done is, uh, isn't, is uh it is not pleasing to you. What I've done is disobedient to you, and I recognize that. And I ask you to forgive me, and I'm, making a, I'm, making, I'm telling you right now that, uh, uh, that I'm walking away from that. I want to live in a way that's pleasing and honorable to you. David, in that same psalm we read in Psalm 32, he wrote about what it's like to confess sin to God. And he says, finally... I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I stopped trying to do the cover-up. And he said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. He continues writing in that song about what it's like to be forgiven. And it's a big deal. We are afraid of God, how God will handle us, how God will treat us, but it's always a sh maybe sometimes a shock to us. And you forgave me. I thought you would destroy me. I thought you would yell at me. I thought you would make me miserable. I thought you would banish me, but you forgave me. And what a relief in that moment to be in a place where you're accepted by him. You're not running from him. You're not hiding from him. And he still loves you. 
at the Invest Conference this week. It was on Wednesday, and um, I, get, I got a text from Michelle. I was at a restaurant with the speaker and his staff, and I got a text from Michelle. Hey, are we not having dinner at La Festa tonight? And I texted her back. I said, uh, I'm, at, I'm at dinner with the speaker. And, she's, and I said, what did we communicate? She said, you told me to be here at 5 o'clock. And I said, uh, I said, I'm sorry. I had the opportunity to eat with the speaker. And so I took that opportunity. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And, and she forgave me. She didn't. She was, she's like, I'm so glad you had that opportunity. And what a relief was it for me when I thought like, oh no, I've messed up. I've got a wife at La Festa alone with four kids. Um, and uh, what have I done? You know, what's this going to do? And, and just that fear. And she forgave me. It's that relief. And I just, man, thank you. And I text back. I don't remember what I said, but like, thank, thank you for forgiving me. I'm sorry. And um, it's that, that type of thing. Like, oh no. I've screwed up. What's God going to do? And we go to him. He's, his, it's his, he, he's known for his kindness, which is maybe not how you know him, but he wants you to know him that way. Sin's always sin. He doesn't, he's not going to graffiti over it and call it something else. But when we will acknowledge it, man, he forgives us and he loves us. So there's some people who won't forgive themselves, but listen, God wants you to ask him, for forgiveness. He wants to erase your guilt. He wants to do that for you. It's his joy. And, and Jesus willingly came to earth and went to the cross because it's his desire as well that you be forgiven, that you could have a relationship with God, that you could have the promise of, of heaven. It's their joy to forgive you. Here in Dover, Pastor Will said that when one person gives their life to Jesus, uh, the angels in heaven rejoice, and they're waiting to have a party. They've all got like uh, 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 party buzzers in their back pocket, all the angels do, and it's like, hey, hey, gather up, gather up, look at Dover, look at in Plymouth, and then they're like, yeah, someone gave their life, and they all pull out, they're like, and they're like, it's just big party. And then they go back to keeping me from falling off the stage. So it's like all kinds of these different uh, things happening. It is what they want. And it's what our church is called to do to help people to know his kindness. Now, not only do we confess our sin to God, but there's times where we have to confess our sin to one another. James chapter 5, James was the brother of Jesus who didn't believe that Jesus was God's son until after he saw Jesus resurrected from the grave. And he says this, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Pretty interesting. He, he uses that word here, healed. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. This is the same word. This is not figurative language here. This is the same word that they use in the Bible when it says the man with leprosy was healed. And, and, it, and so there's something about all of a sudden what we've been keeping is a secret, what we've been keeping from another person that is eating at us, is making us groan all day long like David wrote about it, but all of a sudden to be able to confess it brings healing in our mental health. 
And it can even bring a physical healing in our body, depending on how long you've been holding a secret and, and, and how long you've been lying. So this is deliberate to use this word that with confession, with prayer, there is healing for you. Now, one thing about confession, um, because of the church background you come from, confession does not just mean admitting sin, but it can mean acknowledging that something's happened. And when we, confess, when we have the choice, cover up or confess, some of the things we're confessing, are, they're not just sins, but we're confessing really that these secrets have happened. So it could be acknowledging that things have, that have happened to you. It can be acknowledging things that were done. It could be acknowledging family secrets. Um, but there are these things that we're not acknowledging, that we're covering up, that we're pretending they don't exist. And those things are causing all kinds of problems for us. This is um, um, maybe a similar idea to the person who's a war veteran. And they won't talk about the war they won't talk about anything that's happened, but you see now that it's affecting their life. They're, they're drinking to try to cover that up. They're having nightmares. They're, they're, they're angry, and they won't let anybody into that part of their life. And so they, what, they, what they need to do is just confess. Confess the things that they saw. Confess the pain that they've experienced that they've experienced, confess the loss and the brokenness that they have from a loss of a friend. This can be kind of in all kinds of things in our life. It is never healthy for us to cover up the things that have happened in our life. As your pastor, what I would encourage you is to make sure that there is, um, that there is someone in your life who can help you, who knows everything that's happened in your life. Whether that's a counselor or a spouse, to, that there's someone who knows everything. And what freedom that will give you in your life, what freedom that will give you in your mental health to have been able to talk about that finally and to be able to work through those things. When we confess instead of covering up, it eliminates the enemy's power in our life. We talked about the spiritual battle the very first week of this series and how there's an enemy haunting you, an enemy trying to take you out, an enemy trying to get you to quit, an enemy trying to get you to end your life, an enemy trying to get you to, to give up on God. And when you confess these things that have happened instead of, trying to, instead of continuing to cover up, you eliminate the power he has over you to condemn you. You eliminate the power he has over you to threaten you. And I'm going to tell someone about this. I'm going to tell someone about this. I already told everybody about this. Okay. And so he's not able to threaten you like, oh, secret things will be revealed. Yeah, I know I revealed them myself. He's, he... Um, you eliminate his power to isolate you because when you are carrying a secret, you are all alone. One of the things it says in scriptures is bear one another's burdens. Some of you have walked through big things 
difficult things. Don't carry that alone. Carry it with a, a brother or sister in Christ. Carry it with a counselor. And then allow Jesus to carry it with you as well. And then confession eliminates the enemy's power to hold you hostage. In, uh, in psychology, you talk about uh, stunted growth, stunted emotional growth, stunted uh, um, emotional growth, that when trauma happens, people can end up stuck at that time of their life, and they're not able to develop past it. Well, that's the enemy's tactic, to keep you from moving forward, to keep you from experiencing the things that God has for you. But in confession, confession of sin, confession of trauma, there is, uh, in, it eliminates the enemy's stronghold, the, the enemy's hook in your life, the enemy's ability to continue to torment you. What happens if you cover up? Same thing that happens to pajamas and bedsheets. In your heart, you ferment. In your heart, things get more rotten. And if you're just able to say, don't wait till tonight. Don't let it go on 10 more hours. Don't wait three weeks from now. This morning to say, Jesus, here's what I've done. And allow him to do a cleanup work in your life. To say, Jesus, here's what's happened to me. And allow him to do a cleanup work in your life. Of all our, our locations, our band's going to come up right now. And there's one thing here now. Another part of confession that I think is important to share with you. We don't just confess wrong things, but sometimes it's important for us to know that we confess right things as well. That we confess our faith. It says at different times, confess your faith in Jesus. But there's also different parts of our faith that we, that we do confess. And we say it out loud. And we're used to saying things like, and maybe our, our, probably our kids do this sometimes too. It's like, um, you know, at 8 o'clock at night and we're, and we're frustrated, or 10 o'clock at night and we're frustrated about having to clean a bed. And, and uh, you, you know, to hear a little four-year-old say, I'm a bad boy. And then you have to stop. No, you're not a bad boy. Everybody does this, even grandma. You just need to. <laughs> you just need to. Um, you just need to communicate with us. Don't cover up. Don't hide. <laughs> and you're not a bad boy. When they make a mistake and they say, I'm so stupid. Well, that's a confession. And to stop and say, no, you're not stupid. You're not stupid. You, you, you just, your math skills take after my side of the family. You're not stupid. And we begin, we can make, we make confessions like things will never change. I'll never get better. I'm always going to have this problem. And that's a confession. But I want you to make confessions of faith. And to begin to say out loud the things that Michelle talked about last week, to begin to say out loud scripture verses that are true for you, to begin to say out loud um, uh, things that you see in faith. And so when someone calls you, uh, uh, you know, when someone, uh, or even the things you say about yourself, to begin to correct it and say, no, that may be 
what I am now, but that's not who I am. And begin to confess in faith all those different things. You may be dealing with the health of your brain, but listen to me. You don't have to live in a mental hell. And I want you to begin to confess that in faith. I'm not going to live in a mental hell. You may have physiological issues going on with your brain. You may have a brain health issue that you're dealing with and and your doctor's helping you to medicate that and to balance chemicals and uh, and, uh, maybe you had a brain injury and it's causing you you difficulty. God can heal those things. But as, as as you wait for that healing to manifest itself, as you walk through the things that the doctors have told you to do, you just say, I've got a brain health issue, but I don't have a mental hell issue. I'm not living in a mental hell. I'm not gonna allow the enemy to torment me, to poke me, to humiliate me. I'm just gonna call it what it is. And you begin to stand really on scripture that says, God, you can heal all things. You, you healed people in the Bible who were blind. You healed people in the Bible who were deaf. Deaf. You healed people in the Bible from death. You rose them from the grave. You healed people in the Bible who had leprosy. You healed people in the Bible who are full of demonic spirits. And um, I believe you can heal me too. You can heal me from the trauma in my life. You can heal me from this, uh, from this brain health. You can heal me. And, I, and, and that's what I'm walking in. I am, and uh, uh, I am set free. I'm redeemed. I'm chosen. I am who you say I am. Uh, I confess with my mouth that, um, that I, I just believe and trust for you to, to, to heal me. I confess with my mouth that you're Lord of my life and I'm going to live in a way that's pleasing to you. I'm not going to live in a way that's just pleasing to me. I confess with my mouth that, uh, that, that I'm not going to live in this torment anymore. My mind is renewed every day. I'm more like you every day. Live confessing those things. Throughout the series, we talked about the things that can bring us to mental hell, spiritual battles, haunting thoughts, keeping secrets. But we also told you about what Jesus said and what his word says, how you can conquer those things through self-edification, through taking every thought captive, through confessing what has happened. You have this promise from scripture, you will live with a renewed mind. You will live with a renewed mind. Mental health seems scary. In our culture, it seems like it's growing and it's gonna catch everyone and there's no way to escape it. But by faith, we're healed. By faith, we live according to the promises of God, not the fear of culture. And we're able to see ourselves and our cultures. We're the ones who have hope and they don't. When you meet someone living in a mental hell, share with them about the joy of Jesus, the change he's made in your life. Share with them about how good he is. As you close your eyes, I wanna pray for you. I wanna remind you that it all starts with Jesus. And some of you are here in our services today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And that's where it starts for you. 
to confess that he's Lord of your life, to confess that, that you're a sinner and you need a savior, and you make that confession, he forgives you and he loves you and he adopts you as his own and you become a child of God. And to do that, we would think would be very, very difficult, but it's not difficult at all. It's just confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. And when we do that, we're saved. So I want to help you to pray a prayer to God, because maybe you've never talked to him before, to tell him this is what you want. So you can pray something like this, and you can put it in your own words. Jesus, I give you my life today. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you want to save me and forgive me. And so right now, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need you to be my savior. Forgive me and change my life. And I make a decision today to follow you. And that simple prayer changes everything for you. It changes you internally. It changes your heart. It changes your sin. It changes your past. It changes your future. It changes your eternity. That simple prayer changes everything for your life. Before I, before I pray for everybody, I just want to let you know, if, you, if you're making that decision to follow Jesus today, if you still have a connection card, I want you to write your name on that, check that box on there, and bring it to your location pastor or bring it to the Welcome Center to let them know you're starting, that, that you made this decision today. Because we don't want the angels being the only one partying today. We want to join in on that and just celebrate this step that you've made in your life. Jesus, it is not your will for us to live in a mental hell. You, in your scripture, you promise joy, you promise peace, you promise love, that even in the most difficult circumstances, we can live completely in those things. The men who, who, who um, told about Jesus, who were closest to Jesus, and then told others about him after his um, after his resurrection and after he returned to heaven, they were sharing others about the hope he has. Those were guys who were put in prison. Those were guys who lost, lost their lives. They lived in very difficult circumstances, but they never lost their joy or their peace or their love for you. Because our mental, mental health, um, you're, you're greater than it. And the circumstances that we may be living in if we know you and we're following you, you give us a grace to walk through all of those difficult things. I pray for healing for every mind. I pray healing for every heart. I pray healing for every person. Set them free. Give them victory. And I confess that they are victorious and they are free. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.